Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm Davey, your host, and joining me, Aubrey, our co-host, so good to be here. So good to be with everyone. If you're listening in your car, you're listening in your kitchen while you're making dinner, if you've got your AirPods on and you're going for a walk right now, I am so excited for this episode. Aubrey, where do you listen to your podcasts? That is an excellent question. Um, I am typically in two places. I am on my treadmill okay, with my little AirPods on, or I am cooking dinner and I've got Alexa playing some podcasts for me. Oh. I don't have a lot of car time because I'm typically, you know, with kids in the car or now that my kids yeah, are at home for, for sure. e-learning, we're not going anywhere. So what about you? Where do you listen to your podcast? I, I, by the way, I just, before I answer that, I like this. I like the sound of Alexa, play the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Right. Please. You can do that. I like everyone. the sound of that. Yep, that sounds really cool. You can do cool. that. My kids Absolutely. have done that. Alexa, play the... That's perfect. I'm usually uh, washing dishes or emptying the dishwasher, washing dishes while I'm doing that, uh, while I'm listening to my podcast. Look at you. So, yeah, Good but for you're you. right. Now there's not a whole lot of commute stuff going on. Um, and so it just, yeah, we're, I'm not listening in the car as much. But, well, no matter where you're listening to this, today we have an incredible interview with Erin Weidman, uh, who has a very impressive resume. Yeah, she does. I mean, honestly, like... She is involved in so many different things. She's the co-founder of Truth Becomes Her, which is a brand that equips moms and women with resources to help them step into their unique leadership Amazing. roles. Um, she's also a nationally recognized speaker, a radio personality, a certified teacher, and a sought-after homeschool Woo! consultant, which could benefit a lot of moms right That's now. That's right. And uh, she's also the host of the Heroes for Her podcast, Heroes for Her podcast. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation with Aaron. It was it was unbelievable. And we're going to talk more about it, Aubrey, you and I, yep. after the conversation, uh, because we want to commentate a little bit about the conversation so you, listener, can listen to it, then you can hear Aubrey and I talk about it. Hey, before we do that, I actually want to read a review of the Nothing is Wasted podcast. Can I do that, Davey? This is a really yes, good one. Okay. Please do. All right. Um. This says, the Nothing is Wasted podcast has helped me so much. I started listening after I heard Davey and Christy on Ken Murphy's podcast. A little shout out to Ken Murphy there. All right. I felt so much connection to Christy and her story, mainly her struggle with her first marriage. Then I needed mm -hmm. to hear about her entire testimony on the Nothing is Wasted podcast. I've continued to listen to different ones since then. I was really hesitant about the marriage series because I am now divorced mm -hmm. just the past two years. That series led me to the sexual betrayal series. I think with both series, I cried, I laughed, I felt healing. Wow. I was able to write to my ex-husband and let him know I forgive him. And I hope his next wow. wife, he's engaged to another woman, is the one that helps him turn his life around. I also, this wow. is powerful. I also asked him to forgive me because I know all the mistakes do not just lie with him. And then she goes on to talk about how the uh, she was on kind of a rabbit hole podcast and led her to other podcasts as well. But isn't that amazing? It's so powerful. So thank you for that. And listeners, it is so powerful if you uh, review the podcast and tell us some of your story yep. like that, because we see what God is doing and then other people can hear what God is doing through Big Nothing time. Is Wasted as well. But isn't that amazing? So incredible. It's, it's so amazing. I just keep thinking about Revelation 12. 
how we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the, and the word of our testimony. Right. And that's what is, so we're redeeming Apple podcasts by just sharing testimonies on the rate. And re- don't even think about this rate and review is like you're rating the podcast, share your testimony. How is this podcast helps you? How has it helped right. you to partner with God to take back your story? That is some, man, thank you for whoever wrote that in. Thank you so much. That was amazing. It encouraged my heart so much. Well, we have this incredible conversation with Aaron coming up. And in some ways, this episode feels like a continuation of the marriage series that that reviewer just talked about, because you and Aaron have some really powerful conversation about her marriage and what God did in um, her cancer journey between her and her husband. So stick around afterwards to hear us talk a little bit more about the interview. And let's go ahead and take a listen to your conversation, Davey, with Aaron Weidman. Aaron, it is so great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Well, we were just talking off air that you guys have just made a big move from San Diego to Whitefish, Montana. Come on, tell me about that. What in the world prompted that? Oh, yeah, that wasn't big at all. Um, (laughs) I don't know, COVID. um, I was very pregnant. We came here in June just to get out of the Southern California, um, you know, weirdness that is the season and got out into... God's country and started hiking and started looking around. And I went, I'm from, I'm a native Californian. So I went, Oh my gosh, this is a beautiful, magical, wonderful place. And about the third week, my husband was looking at me like, so do you think we can move here? And I was like, we definitely can. (laughs) So we, we went home, packed up all our stuff and came right back and then got moved in end of July. And three weeks later, our sweet new baby came. So Wow. The vitamins are on a risk-taking life adventure, we say often, <laughs> um, but we're loving it. It just snowed here, which is confusing because it seems like summer skipped over fall and now we're yeah. headed right into winter. So yeah. uh, the, the California native in me is a little terrified um, by the by the inches that are already on the ground. So we're just going to keep praying <laughs> is the point. We're going to pray through everything. <laughs> uh, that <laughs> is, that's out. amazing. I mean, I, I, think, I think almost everybody during the pandemic had this like crisis moment where like, should we move? It doesn't even matter where they're, but should we do something? Should we just change something right now? It kind of lent to this. That we can control, right? Like exactly. we can't control much, but we could control packing up all of our stuff and going uh, somewhere else. But you guys um, actually did it. You actually did it. Yeah, we did. That's awesome. So tell me about your family right now, currently. Yeah. So married 10 years to my awesome husband, Brent. We work together, partnered in every single way, business, ministry, parenting, all the things. We have two daughters. Rooney Cruz is six years old and our new baby Roxy is eight weeks old. Wow. And so we're just, we've died. We dove into the family of four pool and have had a lot of visitors <laughs> coming in to help. And we're in the middle of a book launch. So <laughs> life is crazy over at the Wideman household. We're doing a lot and just enjoying each other, I think. Always. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I know uh, as part of your story, you know, especially the second baby, this is a miracle baby for you. And um, and so I would love for our listeners to get kind of caught up on on your story and what God's done in your life. So why don't you take us back, start us at kind of what you would consider the beginning of where everything began to go awry for you. And uh, let's walk along and see how God led you in this. Definitely. So grew up in church, you know, my parents and my sister and I all went to the same little church school combo in Orange, California, never felt connected to the Lord, though. I got really good at at doing church, you know, memorizing Bible stories and going to all the classes and youth group and all the things. 
but never really understood a relationship with Jesus. You know, we didn't pray at home. We didn't read the Bible at home. So right around 16, I just fell away. I got really uh, committed to the things of this world that could help me feel valuable as a young person, you're doing well in school, you know, um, doing well in sports. And so academics and athletics were just sort of what sustained me in feeling worthy in helping me gain recognition and all of the positive feelings that would come from a worldly perspective. So I walked away from the Lord about 16, uh, set my sights on a college scholarship uh, to play softball. So I went to Penn State four years there, double majored in my two passions, journalism and Spanish. I was always like a writer and a communicator. Um, and then fast forward, you know, I graduated, started doing the young adult thing, laid all of my gifts and talents and my passions down because I thought in the, in the pursuit of making money, and building wealth and just um, being a successful human being. That's not about me leveraging my gifts for anything or the things mm. that I like to do and made to do. I just, in the pursuit of making money, I laid it all down, went and took a job in finance and thought, you know, like a, a young 20 something, right? If I can buy a house by the time I'm 25 as an unmarried woman, like how impressive is that going to be? Yeah. So that was just the next sort of big goal I set for myself. So bought that house 25, December, 2006 have a housewarming party. And then three months later, I move right back out of that house and moved renters in. I'm back with my parents because I'm diagnosed with an aggressive variant form of thyroid cancer that Jeez. started in my thyroid in the middle of my neck. And then it metastasized to all of the surrounding lymph nodes in my chest, in my neck, up into my brainstem. Wow. We did not catch it early. I, you know, I'd felt a lump in college and then my doctor kind of dismissed it. And then years later, it just, it, it wreaked havoc on my body in a way that was not, I had no symptoms. Wow. So here I was a healthy athlete, you know, I'm, I'm working out and training and doing all the, the things you would do as a college athlete and, um, just kind of forgot about it. And it wasn't until my mom said, Hey, did you get that rechecked? And I said, no. And it was really inconvenient to go to the doctor that day. But my mom, it was right down the street from her office. She was like, I'll come with you. So she and I sat in the doctor's office. The doctor did a very quick exam. And after about 30 seconds, he just stopped and he put his hands on my hands and he looked right into my eyes and he said, you have cancer. I can feel it all over the top half of your entire body. Wow. What are you doing tomorrow? We need to have an emergency. I'm going to clear my morning surgery schedule and we're going to get you in for an emergency biopsy. And I looked at my mom like this guy's, this is serious. Wow. And I had, I had just never gone through anything that was hard in that way. And I was just thrust into this. It gave me this violent shove into the reality of, okay, well, we didn't catch it early. Um, it's all over everywhere. They're going to do a surgery to diagnose it. Then they're going to do a, a nine hour surgery later where they try to get everything out. And we're going to start radiation and treatment and therapies and all the things you would start to get rid of this thing and to deal with it. And, um, that season, because I didn't have the Lord. I mean, I was, I was far farther, uh, like as far as anybody could be ever from the Lord. I had walked away from him years before I had no faith. I the foundation I had built my life on was just, it, it, it was not spiritual in any sort of a way. So that was a really hard season for me because I tried to just bear the weight of everything I was going through on my own. I, I, I began to learn how to lean on people like your parents and, you know, friends. And my sister was there and, um, I had to learn that the hard way to really let somebody in, but I still just really tried to deal with it. The only way I knew how, which was 
like an athlete would, right? I was yeah. like, I could put my head down. I'm it. mentally tough. Yeah. I've trained physically. You can do all these things, right? So um, long story short, I ended up in a 72-hour quarantine for radiation. And I was so dizzy and so scared in that room. I laid down on the floor of my parents' bathroom and I prayed. And I don't think I had ever prayed before that day wow. in a way where I was, actually thought I was talking to somebody. I, um, but I remember saying out loud, God, if you are real, I am sorry. I, this is too hard. Wow. I can't do any of this by myself. I need you to help me. And um, the peace of God was in that room. I mean, no one could come in. I was in there for three days on my own. No one could even open the door. But God was in there with me. And that was really the start of him revealing to me who he actually is because I began to seek him. You know, I got out of that room and I started asking questions like, okay, if God's real and he made me for something, what, what is that something? What am I supposed to be doing? You know, if it's not this work, what is the work? Yeah. And God pointed me to kids. He pointed me to kids. He was, it was like everything in my soul wrenched for children in that season. And I was like, well, if I'm not going to live very long, I'm getting into the classroom and I'm going to spend every single day with kids, mentoring them, talking to them, teaching them a subject I'm passionate about. Um, let me just get in their way and be a positive role model, positive influence. And so that really set me on a completely different life path wow. than the one I was pursuing. And I just got, I got into the classroom because I thought I don't have a lot of time left. I'm going to spend it with kids. Jeez. So that's a, a long story, but that's, that kind of, you know, catches everybody up to that, that first season and how it just broke me as a human being, man. I was so, it was so hard. Wow. Yeah. I'd love to dig into that a little bit more. This yeah. idea, you know, I mean, especially since, you know, you recognized that you were as far away from God as you could possibly be in those moments. And, you know, even as believers, we talk about having dependence on the Lord, but really and truly it, it ends up being partially we're depending on God. And in a lot of ways, we're trying to depend on our own strength. And we, and we all come to, whether we're a believer or not, we all come to moments where we, we get to the end of ourselves. Can you, can you just describe um, for me a little bit more of, of what that wrestling was like for you and just recognizing, man, like college athlete, I've been able to do everything, uh, you know, pushing through just about anything on my own strength. And now, boom, I've hit something that I cannot push through. I cannot do this on my own. What, what, what was that like to come to that realization? For me, it definitely, I know. And for some people, it feels like paralysis, like you're stuck where you're mm. sort of frozen. Like, I'm not sure what to do. For me, it felt like panic. Like mm. I've wasted my time. I'm not in my gifts. I've laid down all the things I care about oh, that I'm passionate, yeah. that like I'm specifically wired to do. Mm. I had laid all those things down and had wasted a lot of time, mm. it felt like. And so I was looking back at my life going, I've wasted all this time. I haven't leveraged anything. I've only been, you know, bent on the pursuit of making money and that's not like if God's real and he made me a way and the things that I heard when I was at church as a young person, if those things are true, yeah. I've missed my calling. I've missed my purpose. What, what is that? And so I spent, I spent time in the panic of that yeah. wrestling with that for a few weeks. And then I just started asking God questions like, God, seriously, what did you make me? What did you make me to do? Mm. What am I supposed to be doing that I'm not doing? you know, who are my, what are my gifts and who are the gifts for? 
Cause it's not just, you know, God didn't make you just talented or caring about certain things. Like he wired us all differently for many specific reasons. I know that now, but in that season, I just felt so panicked. Like I missed it and God wasn't going to show up for me. And I should just, I should just do the due diligence of, okay, this is what I feel like he's showing me now. Let me just go and do that. And then my disease is eventually going to kill me. Cause again, prognosis was very grim. We didn't catch it early. I mean, all of the doctor's reports were like, this woman is very diseased. They used the phrase very diseased like 45 times wow. in a 60 page op report. It was very, it was a grim situation. Wow. So I didn't have a lot of hope in that season. I didn't know that God was the God of restoration or that God could do a miraculous healing in my life. I was just sitting in the pit of, I screwed this up so bad and let me just try to fix it with the time I have left. So that's sort of, that was my perspective in that season, wow. that early season, because I just didn't know how God could show up. It's still a very fascinating perspective in the midst of getting a prognosis that is that grim. You know, a lot of people would just stop and and almost give up, kind of resign to it because it's just so overwhelming. And um, and yet somehow you you were saying, okay, if I have a little bit left, then I'm going to you know, I'm going to, I'm going to change from what I've been doing to this whole new route and I'm going to make the most of the time that I have left. Well, I imagine, you know, when, if someone's listened to this and they've experienced uh, some kind of a, a cancer diagnosis or something, there's a lot of fear that creeps in as well. What, was that intermingled into anything that you were experiencing? Was there a fear of death? Was there a fear of like, man, this is it? Like what, what was going on in, in that realm for you? Oh yeah, I definitely had my dark night of the soul moment where you just you descend into this place, this like the truth of, okay, your life is not going to go. It's not going to be as long, first and foremost, oh. that, you, that you know as you thought it was, and then it's not going to look like you want it to look. So I, you know, I just wrestled with that at the beginning um, because it's so new and you can't see past it because you're just you're just stuck in the midst of it's a diagnosis. I don't know how it's going to go. There are people that survive. Most people, you know, cancer claims them later, either due to complications or recurrent disease or all the things that come up later. But I wasn't really thinking about that. I think all I could see at the time was I'm life is so not going to be what I thought it was going to be. And this thing I was trying to carve out for myself is not going to happen. And what a disappointment Mm. that was. And so if you're, I mean, if someone listening right now is thinking about it, that in a similar way, like, oh my gosh, this is so disappointing. It isn't going to be what I thought or what I planned or what I hoped or what my dreams were. Like, just know that God can squash any Mm -hmm. version of the life that you want to plan for your own self and make it so much better and, and different than what you thought. Um, you know, even when my disease continued to come back and back every nine months, it came back for like five years. It was, it was just over and over and over, but I had the Lord, the Lord set me on a path to discover who he was as those recurrent disease, you know, as that would show up. Right. So every time I'd get a new diagnosis, I had hope because of what he did to pull me out of the first one. The first one was so horrific that when it came back in the next season, it was like, okay, well, I've been through this before. I know what to do. I know the drill. This kind of feels like a part-time job of things that aren't, you know, I'm not getting paid to do, but I have to do these different things in my life. Um, and that's going to be what life is like. And I'm going to do it with excellence. I'm going to try to do it with a positive attitude and I'm going to try to lean on him. Even though I haven't had a lot of practice Mm. doing that, 
I just let, let me stumble through bringing him along on this journey that I'm on. And then eventually it, it shifted where I wasn't, you know, bringing the Lord on a journey I was on. It was actually the other way around where he's on his way somewhere and I get to come and God wants to partner with me to do different things. And now I've seen, I've seen the, the switch around of that, where it felt like God was this accessory, um, for lack of better terms, like that you'd bring with you to your doctor's appointments versus, writing the perspective that you have about who's steering the ship, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Hey guys, Davey here. I'm really excited to share with you something we honestly kind of stumbled on this past year. Some of you may know that last October, Nothing Is Wasted partnered with Daniel Brooker and his team at Refuge Widowers to put on a retreat for widowers. At the end of the retreat, I handed everyone a pain to purpose participant guidebook and gave them access to the course and asked the men if they would want to go through the course together. They all agreed and for the last few months, we've been going through the course content with around 15 widowers. Let me tell you, this has been unbelievable. And what I've learned in that process is that many people experiencing a valley feel the same way I felt when I lost my wife, Amanda, in 2015. No matter what your valley is, whether it's loss, whether it's divorce, whether it's cancer, trauma, it doesn't matter. We all feel the same way. You feel the same way that I felt, and that is this. One, I wanted to find my people or or my crew that truly understood what I was walking through. Two, I wanted a proven pathway to help me navigate my valley. But three, I wanted to walk that pathway with my people. That is why beginning the week of March 1st, we're launching the Pain to Purpose course on our community groups platform. We've never done this before, and honestly, we don't know if we're going to do it again. So if you've considered doing the Pain to Purpose course, but you didn't want to do it alone, or maybe you couldn't afford the full price, this is a great opportunity for you. Some of the groups that we have that will be walking through the course together are abortion, regret, and recovery, cancer, childhood trauma, child loss, divorce, widows, widowers sexual betrayal, and more. If you're interested in being a part of our community groups in this way, we're going to do something different. We're opening enrollment and we're closing it. That's right. Open enrollment for the Pain to Purpose course in community groups is happening right now, but it closes down March 1st. So there's a limited time for you to get in on this. A community group is free to join and the price to go through the course with that group is $57. This includes a physical copy of the participant guidebook that we ship to your home. Now, normally the course plus a guidebook costs $177. So this is a fantastic opportunity for you to go through the course with other people in your same valley, especially if you didn't feel like you could fit the bill for the course by yourself. Only $57. To find a group that fits your unique valley and to go through the pain to purpose course together, go to nothingiswasted.com slash community groups. Make sure you join before March 1st. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash community groups. I'd love to talk through some of the the timeline of that. Cause I mean, you you said earlier that this kind of like, this led you straight into the classroom. Like I'm going to, I'm going to give myself, I'm going to pour myself into these kids. I'm going to mentor them. I'm going to, make something of my life here. And so you, 
you went and did that, but then you've got these recurring diagnoses that are happening. That's going to thrust you back into more cycles of, uh, treatments. And, and so talk to me about just kind of that timeline as it progressed. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was weird being, you know, I started student teaching. So I, I, w- I enrolled myself in a teacher credentialing program. I was still living at home with my parents doing the treatments and the surgeries and things. Yeah, It took me 11 months to do it. Second diagnosis happens in there. But then right after the last, the, that surgery, that second time, I, I was able to get into the classroom, start student teaching and got my first job, you know, teaching at a school, teaching English in high school. Um, and I met my husband right in there. <laughs> which sort of threw like a weird, not that my plans were laid out. I mean, I was just living every right. day going, am I alive today? This is awesome. But then here you meet this guy who mm. is, is very convinced that you're the person he's supposed to marry wow. very early on in your relationship. And you have no faith. I mean, you have not allowed the Lord to minister to you. Your heart is rock hard, but here's this person who wants to come with you to all your doctor's appointments mm. and who will sit in the waiting room with your mom and do a puzzle waiting for you to get out of surgery. And no person in their right mind would want to date someone in while that was their current reality. But here was my husband showing me how God pursues all of us. Wow. I mean, in a way that just completely does not make sense. I was like, who is this person? Wow. Why are you here? I tried to push him away. You're wasting your time. I'm going to die. We did not catch it. I mean, negative, negative, everything. And he just very matter of factly was like, I'm sorry, God showed me a vision for our family. Wow. He's, he's confirmed that you are the person that I'm supposed to marry. I'm, I'm here for you. I'm not going anywhere and I'm not going to listen to what you say. And we're next month celebrating our 10 year wedding anniversary because of his persistence and his perseverance to, to pursue what God had showed him was supposed to happen was his next season and how it coincided with mine. I, I hit a point where I had resisted. I had, I had put all the guards up, you know, stop calling me. Don't, we can't do this. And then I, I hit a place with the Lord where it was just like he was asking me to trust. He's like, do you trust me? Wow. I brought you this person. Do you trust that the, the next season is something for the two of you to experience together? Even though what was the next season? More surgeries. You know, we didn't, we got married in the middle of all the cancer stuff. Didn't take a honeymoon trip. We went to the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, wow. like the week after we got married for me to have surgery. It was not a fairy tale. I mean, we really worked hard in our early relationship and early marriage and hit some very serious challenges, which I'm super grateful for now looking back going, man, we have been through serious adversity inside of our relationship. And what a blessing it is now that we're, you know, living and working together and trying to parent and starting a business where we both quit our jobs and we've had to learn to work together in new ways, but we had that beautiful foundation of working together through pain and suffering that now we look at our entrepreneurial life and go, man, the challenges that come up are not near what we faced (laughs) at the beginning, but we're so super grateful for how the Lord weaved our friendship together Mm. um, in that season and just a season of heartache and me being violently resisting to, you know, resistant to anything he wanted to do or show me, or it was really, really hard to to just surrender and say, okay, Lord, you you clearly brought me this person. 
maybe there's a season where we're supposed to spend it together. I don't, again, I don't know how long, cause I yeah. don't have, um, I don't have a barometer for how the Lord works. I only have what I've done in my own strength in the years I spent without him. Yeah. So it was really that season where he showed me my ways are not your ways and just watch what I can do. If you give me a little space to do my work. Wow. Yeah. You, you know, most married couples, the, the first year, two, three, they, they go through struggles together. Um, some of which are just really petty struggles that, you know, are just pulling out our selfishness or, <laughs> but you guys, you were walking through this, I mean, intense struggle, this intense journey. Did, did, did your, your cancer journey give you a, a different perspective on the first year or two of your marriage and that it, it caused some of those other, you know, quote unquote, petty struggles that, that, you know, <laughs> marriages end up going through that those were just by the wayside or, or were those still there and created some complication and it just kind of stacked up on top of each other? Or how would you describe that? How, how did maybe this, this season change your perspective in a newly what, cause that's not normal going to the Mayo clinic for your honeymoon. That's not normal, but that's what you guys had to do. And so I'm sure you had to approach this from a completely different perspective than what most fairy tale you know, weddings are planned or at least how people think they're going to play out. <laughs> yeah, I would say yes and no, definitely. I mean, I, I entered into that season with a newfound, I would call it more of a sense of urgency. Like, okay, mm. I, I can't see, it feels like there's an end to the runway of my life. I don't know how long this is all going to last. So I'd wake up every day and be excited to go to work and be excited to you know, do, do things and experience things with him. And, um, mm. but then on the flip side, you know, you're, you're stubbornly not wanting to merge your bank account and have a joint <laughs> bank account, you know, things yeah, like, right. you know, cause I, I'm used to making all my own financial decisions. Why would I, you know, right. want this person to, I, why would we want to merge that? I'd like to be separate and I want to be private <laughs> and you have to really lay down the things that you know, that are not, not to be part of a marriage that works. Right. Cause yeah. there should be transparency and, um, you know, all of the things that you're finding out in the beginning of your marriage, um, about the other person, because who is the other person, you know, they're a sinful person. And so are you. Right, and right. now you've decided to to live together and be one thing, um, <laughs> try to make all your decisions with this other person who doesn't see things the way you do. So yeah. I think the Lord in that, in that time was just showing us how to work together. You know, the big things that would come up, like the huge, massive things like surgeries and treatments and therapy and all that stuff. But then right down to the minimal, you know, the things that seemingly now, you know, when you're when you're looking at a mountain like cancer that don't really matter as much, you know, things like yeah. what are we going to eat for dinner and how are we going to, you know, what insurance are we going to have and all of those decisions you're trying to make as a couple when you merge your life with somebody. Um, I've had a, a shifted perspective, I think, from maybe the second diagnosis on because we got married through it. Um, started the business through it. I started getting clear scans in 2012. So he and I really, you know, we experienced a lot of weird decision-making mm. in the beginning that we don't have to do now. Like we don't have to face those types of decisions now because here we are, you know, eight years later, uh, fully healed, um, no recurrent disease for almost wow. a decade, which is wow. insane to even think about. Um, wow but it's so beautiful, you know, what, what the Lord's done. Um, and just, he's blown my mind in, in ways. I mean, and my husband likes to joke that whatever I say, I think is going to happen. 
like he just reminds me, you don't know what you're doing. Like, remember how God showed up in all these different ways and you've been wrong the entire way. <laughs> so just like hold on to the fact that you're really wrong about what you think is going to happen all the time. So he likes to poke fun at me about how I'm wrong a lot, wow. <laughs> but it's good. It's wow. good that I'm wrong. Well, in a second, I want to talk about, you know, what this season kind of created the purpose that it really created coming out of you, you know, cause I can sense that there was an urgency. There was a, in the middle of it, but now, I mean, you're, you know, you're, cancer-free for almost a decade. You're, you've got, I mean, this stretch of life that, I mean, we never know, none of us do, but it seems like you've got a new, uh, a a new gift of life. And, and so it's got to have changed your perspective on purpose. But before we kind of jump there, I really would love to hear in the midst of all of these, you know, surgeries and, um, treatments and all this stuff that, that you guys are walking through together. Can you remember some moments? Those, some of those beautiful, I don't, and I don't even know why I'm like, but I just have a sense. There's some of those beautiful uh, storybook type moments between you and your husband where you look back and go, wow, we really are doing this together. And we have no idea how this is going to uh, shape out, but man, he, he was there every step of the way we were struggling in this and the Lord was, was faithful. Do you remember any like these moments that you, uh, emergencies that took place or anything like that within that storyline that just caused you to go, wow, like this partnership and then this like cord of three strands, right? The Holy Spirit in this, this is un, this is terrible and difficult, but this is so beautiful at the same time. Yeah, I would say there are so many of those. I would say early on in, you know, the beginning of our relationship, I'm I'm just I'm ministered to through his humor and through him. I needed somebody to make light of a very serious situation that felt so disastrous as the person going through it. And here he was, this supportive, come alongside, let me be here with you and spend time with you in this. He would just make light of things. I mean, right down to being in the doctor's office and he would pull those surgical gloves off of the wall and like pull it over his head and then blow it up. And so he looked like a chicken and we, he would just like be, I mean, it's a grown man. It's like a grown right. man, you know, that's your boyfriend going, embarrassing you in front of the entire <laughs> hospital staff. So I think man. the beginning, he really did it with humor and made, you know, making light of a situation that did not feel light. Right. It was so, it was, it just helped to lift the weight of it off of me mm. in that early season And then right up through the last diagnosis, you know, I was at uh, UCLA doing all of my treatment. And the last one I had, the fifth diagnosis I ever received, um, they put me up in front like of a panel of 20 different doctors at UCLA because of where the cancer had recurred, where it was located inside my body. They didn't have one surgeon at the hospital who thought they could do it to do the surgery. And he came with me. I'm sitting in front of this panel, you know, I, I'm sitting at a table by myself facing this sea of doctors who are giving me their recommendations and asking each other for, you know, what, what they would recommend and, and the course of treatment if it wasn't going to be at that particular hospital. And that, that's how we figured we were going to the Mayo Clinic. And it just, I, I just looked over at him, I think, during that, that meeting. And he was just, he had no, he's a highly emotional person. Mm very sensitive, but he was just stoic. Hmm. 
at that meeting and he looked so strong. And I know he probably was so terrified inside, but he really put that on for me in that moment because it was scary to me to hear from so many doctors, we don't have a clear path for treatment at this hospital for you. You're going to have to go somewhere else. And I think just turning around and looking at him and knowing that inside he probably felt how I did, but he was such a rock in that moment, really sustained me. And then when we all got out of that meeting, it was like we huddled up in the lobby of the hospital and and I felt like, okay, the next step is to figure out where we're going for this surgery, like where, you know, we're going to pray for that doctor who can do it and we'll go wherever we need to go. And it just, it set me on on the path of, of being excited to pursue the next step, even though in that moment we had no course of action because like I said, nobody could do it. So, um, he's really, he's come alongside me in ways that are funny and lighthearted. And then he's also come alongside me in ways that are very heavy and in just a way that I don't know, just the way that I can trust him yeah. um, with whatever information we get is is just is something that I really cherish about who he is and, and our relationship and just being inside of it. Wow. Pain is unavoidable. And yet the primary place I see people get stuck in their pain journey is that they try to avoid addressing it altogether. Recovery starts the moment we choose to take that first step toward wholeness and we lean into the painful emotions. While we believe we have so much to offer as a ministry to help you in your recovery journey, we know there's one area that you need that we don't directly provide, and that is traditional counseling and therapy services. That's why we partner with Faithful Counseling. They are an online worldwide organization that provides virtual counseling from wherever you are. They have licensed therapists who are certified by their state's board to provide traditional mental health counseling from a Christian perspective. You can receive the help you need quickly when you sign up because they match you with a counselor in 24 hours or less. Then you can connect with them anytime via your computer, tablet, or mobile phone through video calls, phone calls, or text messaging. And if your counselor you are matched with isn't a good fit for you, you're able to switch at any time to find someone who better fits your needs. To be clear, Faithful Counseling is not a crisis line, but it can be an incredible resource in your healing journey. It costs $65 per week, and financial aid is available to those who qualify, which you can apply for during the sign-up process. To learn more, go to faithfulcounseling.com slash nothingiswasted. If you sign up through that link only, you'll receive 10% off your first month of counseling for being a part of the Nothing Is Wasted community. Again, that's faithfulcounseling.com slash nothing is wasted. And now back to our interview. So from there, you finally get to the place where, I mean, God works a miracle and you beat that last diagnosis. What did, what did the outlook uh, look like for you there? I mean, what, what was God beginning to do in you? to propel you into the next phase or season. Now, now you can look back on it because it's been eight years, but you, you know, at that point you're going, okay, God, what, what do you have next for me? What, what's going on? What was he teaching you? What was he showing you? Yeah. So I was, I mean, by then, you know, fast forward, I had been in the classroom for six years or so working with kids every day and just having my heart break for girls, what they were going through that I could really see inside 
what they were struggling with, you know, the things that I struggled with and the things that I know now are universal struggles for what it is to be female, right? Insecurity and comparison and not understanding how God made us, what God wants to do in us and through us and just missing what God is calling us to, that abundant life, the beautiful life that he wants to be in partnership with us on. And so that was kind of, you know, rolling around in my heart and in my soul. Um, my husband and I would talk about it often. We weren't parents yet, but I remember in that season, just coming home, not sad about what girls were going through, but very angry, feeling like there's something that needs to be done about it. This is making me upset. You know, it's, it's something I struggled with that I see in all these girls I'm interacting with it. Why doesn't somebody do something? And it wasn't long after I started feeling those feelings that I started getting clear scans from the doctor. So I I would go back every three to six months and have an ultrasound and a PET scan, all the things you would do to just double check that your body is looking, you know, everything's looking good. And those tests always came back negative from 2007, 2012. They were all, all, all bad, right? Like you've got cancer. It's, it's back. It's the tumors are here, here, and here. We're going to do the surgeries. We're going to do all the things. And then in 2012, I got a clear one Hmm. where the doctor said, you know, he called me and he said, I, I'm looking at your ultrasound. I can see nothing. Everything looks really good. You don't need to come back in for like three more months. Wow. And I thought, that's cool. And then three months went by and then I did another one. And the next one was clear. And I, I looked at my husband and I said, this has not happened to me the entire time I've been sick. I've never had two scans in a row that were clear. And then I had the next one and it was clear. And I said to him, I think God is opening us up a little window to have a baby. Hmm. And he and I got pregnant two months later. We took, we took a delayed honeymoon trip that we had never had the chance to take. We were gone for two weeks and pregnant right when we got back. And so it was this beautiful convergence of, it felt like a season of disease and pain and suffering was ending Mm. and what was beginning, not just healing, not just a life of, you know, what, what, what life could look like maybe after cancer, but here's this new life coming along where Mm. I never expected in a million, I mean, I wrote motherhood off as something I was never going to get to experience we again didn't catch it early the prognosis was grim my body i mean they took out the part of my body that regulates your metabolism and your heart rate like how is this body going to make a baby that's healthy that can lit like it just didn't it again did not seem possible and then you know we, we were going through the pregnancy and everything is perfect. Wow. I mean, the the nine months pregnant was perfect. I had no issues. I I gave birth. I mean, everything was was could not have been better. And I, it was like God was showing me, like, see what I can do. Yeah. Like, look look at what I can do when you just give me space to work. Wow. And it was so it was so beautiful in that season to just enjoy him creating something new and him starting something new and growing our family in a way that we both never thought was possible. Wow. We talked about adoption very early on in our relationship and even getting me to do the leap of like, okay, I'll get married, but yeah. you know, kids aren't possible. We're not going to have a family where I, I just, I talked myself out of it. I talked him out of it. 
And so we talked about adopting very early on. It's funny because we're, we're seeking an adoption right now. Um, and have been, and our, our second baby came out of nowhere. <laughs> um, so we still feel called to adopt and we're still pursuing that route. But, um, man, looking back, you know, after eight years of, of it being so grim, you know, in that season and now looking back eight year, years later to go, wow, God's really done a lot and showed us what he can do, you know, that he can just over and over show up in ways that seem completely impossible in the natural. Um, he's just, he's there to do his work and he has work for me to do that. I wasn't aware of until, you know, my parenting journey collided with these feelings I was feeling in the classroom Mm. about girls wanting to help them, wanting to nurture them, come alongside them. And then here I am on the other side of a cancer journey, having a baby girl and feeling pretty ill-equipped to do an Mm. effective job as a parent thinking about all the things I went through. So yeah. I think that's when God really merged my personal life, my professional life, and got us moving down a path to create Bible bells and to, yeah. to really create resources that that speak to girls and create a meaningful connection with scripture, which is what we all need. Wow. Wow. Well, you've kind of talked about the inspiration behind the Bible bells. I mean, I think those, that those are amazing. And, um, and you've talked a little bit just now about the inspiration behind it, but what's, what, was the catalyst that sparked that idea first for you? Oh, you know, an argument that you're having with your husband <laughs> on the way home from church. Those never happen to anyone listening. Um, it's either on the yeah, way we, or on the way home. It's always so funny. Right? We, yeah, no, on the way home, you know, you just heard a beautiful sermon. Yeah, and you're exactly. unpacking it. No, we were arguing on the way home from church about what to get my niece for her birthday. She was turning five. She was starting kindergarten. And she could name every Disney princess mm. and all of the details of all those stories, but she couldn't name any women in the Bible. And I thought wow. her name's Hannah. What if we simplify the story of Hannah from the Bible? It's just, she would know she shares her name with this great godly woman. And it's a great story about prayer and just surrendering to God's plan for your life that he has a bigger picture. It's such a good wow. story. And we gave her this little book. We bound it at Kinko's. It was very official for her birthday. And yep, she had no idea who the woman was. And the more little girls we talked to, the more it was like, gosh, none of the little girls we know can have formed this meaningful connection with scripture through the stories of women. Yeah. And so we just began to ask ourselves, you know, could we, could we make something that would get girls as excited about biblical women, as excited about reading God's word as they are about some of these other characters that aren't necessarily based in faith or based in fantasy. So that was just the the genesis of, okay, well, I'll spend my weekends, you know, grading papers at the library. And then when I have an hour or two, I'll research some women in the Bible and start praying about who maybe God would want me to include in a book series that highlights these women Mm. And their positive character traits, like how can we point them to God's character and all the ways that um, he wants to minister through these stories. That's a, that's awesome. I love, here's what I love about your story as you're telling it to me. You are clearly the kind of person that's high achieving, uh, high octane. You always have been you, you're kind of this person that um, continually takes the whole bull by the horns, says, I'm going to make this happen. And you, you chase after your own route and the Lord keeps showing you over and over and over and over that when you trust him, let him take the reins, that he'll take you on this wild, crazy journey that is way more 
abundantly beyond what you could ever ask or imagine as Ephesians tells us. And that is, that's unbelievable. Um, and, and I relate to it so much cause I, I'm kind of that high achieving type too, but it's like all of my plans, they all get foiled and, and the Lord's plans are the ones that continue to persevere in my life. And, um, and I think we have so many people who, who are listening just, that's part of the human condition where we want to have control. We want to be in the driver's seat. And the Lord's like, Hey, if you just let me take it, let me take control. I will lead you on a powerful journey. Uh, yes, there may be some pain. There's going to be some valleys, but there's going to be some incredible redemption as well. It's so beautiful too, because, um, you know, as somebody who had their like fingers wrapped so tightly around this life that I was t- trying to create, yeah. once I let go and said just what you said, and really like, and it's so beautiful now because I literally try to funnel every decision through like, God, what are you doing? Yeah, it's great. And what's my part in joining you in this work that you're doing and the opportunities that you bring me? There's this bigger underlying work that you are trying to do your ultimate will. How can I come alongside you and take part in that and and be an active participant, be a a major player in what you're doing. And it's so it's breathtaking to look back at having gone through something so hard. And this is only God, like only God can do things that give you this perspective. Like I look back at my cancer journey, that five year period of like on the outside, everybody looking in at it. Wow. That was a horrific, terrible, negative time in your life. And I look at it now, it is the single most cherished blessing that I have going through that difficult season. Not, and, and the miracle that happened in my life is not like, The number one miracle is not the physical healing. It is certainly a miracle. I never expected that God would fully heal my body, that I would be here completely cancer-free eight years later. But truly, that is not the biggest miracle. The miracle that God did, the biggest one in my life, was the one where He, through this terrible season, changed my heart, Mm. my angry, selfish, negative heart not living for him and completely through this awful thing transformed me into a soft moldable you know discerning his voice like it's so beautiful the work that he's done on me spiritually to to now be in tune with his voice to go okay lord like i'm asking every question i can about what are you doing not what do i want for myself what are the things i'm trying to get and it's just I've just watched him work in so many amazing ways. I'm just grateful to to be asking these questions moving forward into the next season because I know he's going to work in it. It's so awesome the way he works when we just get out of his way. And it it doesn't mean, you know, we're not an active participant. He wants us working with him. He made us to work with him. So it's not this okay, Lord, you're going to do a hundred percent and I'm going to do nothing. It's God's yeah. doing work. And then what's, what can I add to that? How can I, right. how can I leverage all of the ways he made me to do the work that he wants me to do? And it's such a beautiful, exciting life. It's awesome. Yeah. I love that subtle differentiation. You know, I mean, I like to look, look at it from the standpoint of, uh, you know, if like, if God's, he's, he's moving in a direction, he's going, he's, he's driving a bus and he's got all these seats on the bus of people he wants to be a part of the work that he's doing. And 
his purposes are going to happen no matter what. And so if we, if we miss jumping on the seat that he has designated for us, that he's called us to, then we miss out, you know, we miss out, you know, I mean, even practically speaking down the road, would someone have written something like, you know, Bible bells, maybe potentially God's, God's purposes and work was we want to get God's word deep in the hearts of these little girls and help them to not just understand it, but come alive with it and see their purpose in it. And you happen to be postured in a place where you're going, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And then boom, he drops this idea on you and you just walk in step aligned with his purposes. And there's so many people out there that whether it's because they're trying to take control of the bus themselves or whether they're distracted and they totally miss the bus as it stops to pull in and invite you on board, they're missing out on the fulfillment of being a part of God's work, of partnering with him in his work. And I love that you're asking those questions now. Okay, God, that's what a beautiful filter to put everything through. All right, what are you doing? And, and how can I be a part? What are you doing? And how can I be a part? It, it's uh, instead of asking God to, to bless what you're doing, just get on board with doing what God already blesses. You know, so good. And I think it makes me think of creativity too, because I would never, I mean, while I loved writing as a kid and would always write stories and I read the dictionary because I was the biggest nerd, um, I never would consider myself, I don't think, a creative person or a creator or a creative. Mm. But in, in sitting with the Lord, you know, in the library in that season and asking him, you know, and researching the women in the Bible and having the enemy in my ear a little bit, like, who are you? You're not going to write stories about, you know, the women in the Bible. You're not a Bible teacher. You're not, you didn't go to seminary, all the ways that I sort of talked myself out of it. Just sitting with the Lord in the library and asking him, you know, having books in front of me and going, okay, Lord, what, what is your plan for this book series? Who are the women that you want to highlight? Yeah. And when God gave me the first five women for the book series, it, made sense. My teacher brain put them in an order hmm. that you you would read through these women and go, okay, each character trait is sort of building on the previous one. You'd start with prayer and you'd work your way through all the way to leadership and Deborah. And I put them in that order, not realizing that their initials spell the word heard, Hannah, Esther, Abigail, Ruth, and Deborah, H-E-A-R-D. Wow. And for me, it just made sense because what is the world telling girls? The world, the world tells them to be strong and successful. You've got to go out and make a lot of noise. Wow. You've got to be loud. You've got to be in everybody's face and independent. You don't need help from anybody. And it's just this completely counter wow. idea yep. to what how God wants girls to go out into the world and to proclaim the gospel and yeah. use their voice for Him. So when that acronym came to me, it wasn't my. I was. You know, yeah. my research and my diligence to sit there and pray and go, okay, Lord, what are you doing to these women? How can I make sense of this? Yeah. And then take my expertise as a teacher and go, okay, let me, I'll put them in this order. And then for him to validate yeah. Yeah. and go, no, this is, this is what makes sense when you unfold this. This is like, this will unlock something for girls because it's a metaphor for how he wants us to go out and be heard to use our voice. Wow. Not in the way the world would say, but the but in the way that he wants us to do it, to to transform people and to, to invite them into a deeper relationship with Jesus. That's the point yeah. of every everything. Yeah. Um so yeah, it's been so beautiful. I think for the people listening to, if you wouldn't consider yourself very creative or um, you know, somebody who can be ingenious to think things up, like God really wants to leverage our creativity and invite us to ways like 
to adding our unique take and our unique personality and the way he wired us to be able to make decisions and engage people. And we get to do that with him again, not inviting him what you said, like to bless, you know, what we've already created, but to really say, okay, like, let's discover, let's figure out what you're doing, Lord. And then how can I add my unique creativity to it is, has been the most beautiful, I don't know, sort of um, revelation that I've had as somebody who would never have considered herself a creative person. Yeah, I've been wow. very creative um, with him. It's been such a blessing. That's so cool. Well, that, that's like the first picture that we see of God, right? He's a creator. And then he yeah. puts his image in us, the Imago Dei, which, and, and then invites us to be co-creators with him to help cultivate and create this, you know, this, this tapestry that he wants that ultimately gives glory to him and proclaims the good news of, you know, of Jesus. And that's so, so powerful. And that we, most of us are going to come to these like crossroads crisis moments. And some of us, it's going to be seasons like yours that completely alter our perspective, completely alter our direction, our trajectory. Yours is one that, I mean, it's, it's a, it is a complete right turn, right? I mean, it's night. It's just boom. Like, there it is, this moment where you're on the floor post-radiation treatment, and you're like, Lord, I, if you're real, I, I, I'm sorry, and I just want to get on board with what you're doing. And God just, man, he takes you on this incredible journey. If, if you are talking to somebody right now who's in the middle of that season, they're in the middle of that crisis, whatever it is, whether it's a cancer diagnosis, treatments, or whether it's you know the loss of a loved one, or they're just experiencing some kind of pain and trauma that they can't make sense of, what would you tell them if you're having coffee with them across the table? I think two things. So I would tell them that if you just take a step back for a moment, um, and this takes me back to teaching too, because we would always, no matter what lesson we were teaching or you know wisdom we wanted kids to pull out of a lesson, at the end of the lesson, you always ask, okay, what can my, what do my kids know and what are they able to do? Mm. And that's my advice for, if I was sitting at coffee with somebody who needed encouragement in this moment, you're either going through it or you've got a friend or a family member who's in the middle of a hard season. What you got to ask that question. What does God want me to know in this season? And what does God want me to do Mm. in this season? He wants to minister to you by helping you recall one of his truths, helping you sit in your God-given identity. He wants to give you peace. That's all about the knowing, like who he is. And and it doesn't require any action from you. So two-part answer to that question is just explore with the Lord what he wants you to know in this season. And then the second part of it is the active part. Like what, so knowing what you know, knowing what you're in and experiencing right now, what does God want you to do? That's great. And a lot of times it just has to do with, I mean, for me, I woke up today, I've got breath in my lungs. So there is something that God wants me to know. And there's something he wants me to do. So praying for those things, God, what do you want me to know today? And then Lord, how can I activate myself to go out and be a ministry tool even today, even in my heartache, even in my disappointment, even in my suffering, Lord, there's something that you want to activate inside me so that I go put legs to my faith and get out and invite people again into a deep and meaningful relationship with Jesus. What can I do today to win a soul? What can I do today to make a disciple? And 
I mean, if we just sit and operate in that, that's yeah. it's heavy. Yeah. It feels like a lot, but it's very simple to ask those two questions daily and to not get plagued by, you know, the, the wondering. I think the wondering can send people in like into a, a pattern of really negative thinking, right. wondering what's going to happen, wondering what the future holds, wondering, you know, where I'm going and am I going to be here and is my family going to have to say goodbye and all the things. And that turns into just a past swirling pattern of negativity that I think the enemy revels in. Yeah. Um, wow. So just ask yourself, what does God want me to know today? And what does he want me to do? I love that. I love that. Well, Aaron, you're someone that's doing a lot of what the Lord has called you to do and what he's doing in those, this world. You're partnering with him and it's all coming out of these spaces of learning and what you've been able to uh, come to know because of the stuff that you that you've gone through. Um, where can we follow along with everything that you guys are doing? What, where can we connect with you? So the Heroes for Her podcast is a place for adult women who want to gather together if that they, they want to grow and they want to be able to guide the girls they care about to a meaningful relationship with Jesus. They want to build inside them the equipment, the tools, the strategies they need to lead well in this next generation um, as females to understand themselves. That's really the place where we talk about it. We invite on positive women for them to hear from their stories. And then I teach just different concepts on the shows that we have. So anything from how to leverage vulnerability to being a credible leader, what that means, um, how to collaborate, what it, why it's important to empathize, all of the ways that we want to come alongside girls. The podcast is just a place where we gather and do that. It's so fun to do. I love it. I love that. Yeah. Connect at BibleBells.com. Our resources are there. Um, our podcast is there. The ways that we are encouraging and equipping adult women to come alongside the next generation of girls. It includes um, dads and men who care about the next awesome. generation of girls too. <laughs> um, it's been really beautiful to create very meaningful ways for the adults that care to pour into the next generation and to really activate their own discipleship. So the easiest way to do it again is biblebells.com. It's B-I-B-L-E-B-E-L-L-E-S. And we have a brand new book called Ringleaders coming out um, very soon, highlighting women of the New Testament and the story of the gospel. So really, really excited for this next season to be able to champion the good news and activate a generation of girls to boldly proclaim Jesus to whoever needs to hear about him. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I have a seven-year-old daughter, so I'm excited about walking through all this with her. And uh, thank you so much for putting those resources out to help uh, parents like me, especially dads like me, who have a passion for the Bible and a passion for our kids. And we now get to help them to understand more fully who God is um, and who he's created them to be. So thank you, thank you, thank you for taking your pain and turning it around into purpose. It's awesome. Oh, I loved being here. Thanks so much for the opportunity to share. And I just, I want to encourage anybody out there, just ask the Lord what he has for you in this season and wait for him to show up. It's so beautiful. Well, Aubrey, I thought that was an incredible conversation with Erin. Um, Absolutely. I particularly related to her because she she's a high achiever. Yep. I'm a high achiever. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, you know, just kind of in my, in my nature to, uh, take the bull by the horns and go, yeah, I got this and work, kind of work really hard, white knuckle my way to a result. Mm. And that can be a gift, right? It can be something that's like, oh, that's a superpower of mine, but that Definitely. also can be a vice in terms of, 
I, t- I tend to find these seasons where I go, um, I, maybe I come out of a season of, of dependence and, and, and pain and stuff. And I'm like, okay, God, I got this, you know, <laughs> yep. I, I'm, I'm good. Right. And then sometimes it's a, it's another season of pain or difficulty where I, I see my own ability, um, not being able to, you know, get me to that place or where, where I kind of see that dry up uh-huh. that causes me to dive even more into dependence on the Lord. And, you kind of uh, go, Oh wait, I, uh, oh, I'm yeah. not, I am not God. You're God. I, I need yeah. to depend on you. <laughs> don't I? Yeah. I feel like I have a lot of seasons like that. Yeah. I was going to say, imagine you're with your personality, you probably have a similar kind of uh, cycle <laughs> sometimes. I have started doing this, this thing actually with the new year where I, when I get in that cycle, I'll just, I literally will stop and allow be like, Lord, this is not mine to take on. This is yours. I am going to give it to you. And there's a place yeah. in my house that I literally will walk over there almost like it's an altar and be oh. like, this is yours. And I will say ceremonially, like, you are God. I am not. I'm giving this to you. Thank you for reminding wow. me that I need you. And I've just started doing that almost habitually because wow. I, man, there's stuff I try to carry that is like not mine to carry or it gets weird and like egoish. And yeah. I'm just, I'm done with that. I, yeah. I want to be dependent on the Lord forever. <laughs> well, I think it's a, I think it's a mercy. Absolutely. I think it's a mercy of, of the Lord to, ex, to expose that, to, 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 to show us our limit. That's right. You know, to go, yes. okay, you're, you're running, but, but you've got a limit here and, and yeah. you're going to need, um, you're going to need to, to be on your knees and depend on me. And then, you know, when I look at it from, in, in maybe more of a healthy perspective, I, my prayers, I want I want to try to accomplish things. Like if I'm going to leverage the superpower of being mm-hmm. a high achiever, mm-hmm. I want to dream up of and and have a vision for something that's way bigger in my life than what I can accomplish by myself. There you because go. then God has to get the credit for it, right? Yes, People look absolutely. at it and they go, okay, there's no way Davey could do that. There's right. no way that right any man could do that. That's totally God. And so yeah. I think that's kind of helped me to, to flip my perspective and go, okay, let me put myself in these spaces where I'm like, man, I, I don't know if I can do this. God, you're going to have to show up. Yeah, that's good. I was even reading, a, I think it was John Mark Comer's book, Garden City, which we've talked about on the yeah. podcast before. But he was kind of saying something like, hey, if you're dreaming, if your dreams are only about yourself, you're dreaming too small. And yeah. I think that goes both ways, right? That means we're dreaming too small because we're being self-centered, but also then we're not allowing God to do the incredible things that God can do in our seasons of pain. Right, right. So that just like you said, it's about his glory, not about, not about ours. Right. You know what? Okay. So another thing that Aaron brought up that it's, that's also, it's very parallel because it usually falls in a post season of pain. Oftentimes we slip into that, like, Oh, okay, I got this. And that striving after we come out of a season of pain. Right. Cause we're like, Oh, I'm feeling yeah. a lot better about, but another thing that, that we experience is this, this, um, it's kind of a dilemma in that we start to feel some joy. We start to feel some levity of life again. And mm-hmm. then we begin to feel guilty about that, or we don't know what to do with it. <laughs> right. That we're feeling sort of free and like, yeah. oh, maybe we can begin planning. Maybe we can begin dreaming. Right. Right. Uh, and then you're like, oh, no, maybe I shouldn't. Or, you know, if there's um, a situation of survivor's guilt or a yeah. situation where you're doing yeah. okay, but some, you know, significant other isn't or... Um, there is some guilt with that. And, and you sometimes have to remember like, no, the Lord has brought you into this new season. And like, right. uh, Ecclesiastes says, like, there's a time for there's everything. A so for this everything. is a time to, ce- this is a season to celebrate. 
Yeah, and Ecclesiastes even lays out, it like pits these contrasting seasons over and over and over, right? A season to tear down, a season to build. But also says, right, mm. a season for weeping or for mourning and a season for laughter, for dancing. Right, uh, Psalm, right. Psalm says, I don't know where exactly in Psalms it is, but it, it talks about how it says, though weeping may tarry through the night, joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning, yeah. And there is a there, there is a natural progression of this. The Lord wants to take us into seasons of joy. He wants to move us through our valley and into seasons of joy. And so what I try to help mm-hmm. people understand is don't feel guilty as you are beginning to f- to feel some of those feelings of joy again. Right. And the reality is, is think about it. if you're coming out of a valley and you're starting to climb up and ascend up into kind of a mountaintop, you can even look back on a valley, an actual valley, and it looks beautiful hmm, from that perspective. Wow. wow. And you feel this like this brand new perspective of being able to see the horizon, see things beyond it. And you feel this like rush of, uh, of adrenaline. And, and that's the same thing that's true for us emotionally and spiritually. So don't um, don't feel guilty about that. This is a God given season. And specifically, like if you lost a spouse, this is exactly what your spouse, you know, your would your late spouse you. would want for you. That's and that's right. one of the things yeah. I had to wrestle yeah. with is like, I feel really guilty that I'm like, I'm starting to feel healed. I'm starting to feel like God's lifting me out of this. Um, and, and maybe other people around me are not like, how do I navigate this? Just, just embrace that season, embrace that season. Yeah, that's really good. And, and going back to what we were saying before, a reminder that that's from God. Yeah. So, so God has given you this gift. And so just to stop and say like, Lord, thank you that now we're in the season and I can look back and see your kindness through it all. Yeah. Um, you know, Aaron talked about, uh, some of the highs and lows in their marriage throughout her Mm -hmm. journey. And we talked about, um, when we started this episode that this feels a little bit like a continuation of the marriage series. And I just wanted to mention for listeners out there, if you missed the marriage series, or maybe there's an, uh, episode you really, really liked, you can go back and listen to those. That's episodes 151 through 154. And again, that's not just for people who are married. That was a a bunch of conversations we had with um, experts in the field, uh, single people, people who have gone through divorce, people who have struggled Mm -hmm. in marriage, just giving all of us wisdom about relationships and about God in our valleys, like you said, Davey. Yep. And you know, with every episode, we want to help you partner with God to take back your story. That's our aim. That's our hope. That's our mission. We really do believe that God has a redemptive story that he is writing in your life. And we get the choice as to whether or not we're going to align ourselves with the flow of the redemption plan that God is writing in our lives. So we want to help you partner with God to take back your story. And and Aaron talks a little bit about this in the conversation. She said that, that her suggestion would be to find what God wants you to know and do. I think that's such a great thing because God wants to teach us some things. His pain can be a classroom. He wants to teach us some things, but then he also has some action steps or some application that he wants us to carry out in what he teaches us. And if you need help doing that, we've got some ways that we can help you with that. We'd love to come alongside of you. We can help you with that uh, by going through the pain to purpose course. Mm -hmm. You can go and take that as an individual by yourself. You can go and take that in a group. Um, You can also take that at your local church. If your local church offers that, you can hire a certified guide or you can join a community group on our community groups platform. Um, But we're here to help you continue to walk this journey. That's right. This isn't just a podcast. We want to partner with you to uh, take back your story, partner with God to take back your story. We have other offerings at nothingiswasted.com. So you can go there to find out more. And I also want to thank Sleeping at Last. Uh, Ryan is our favorite musician around here. Thanks for providing the music for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. You can find him wherever you find your music. You can also follow us on Instagram at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries, at Davey Blackburn, and at Aubsamp. Aubrey, next week, 
I am so excited about the series that we're starting. I have finally convinced our producer to allow us <laughs> to talk about something that is a it, now listen, it's related to pain and suffering, but it's a different slant than we've ever done before. It is a different slant. Because we are starting a series on business and finance. Business and finance. Now you might be like, that's going to be massive. How does this work with, with what we're, you're going to find out next week when we start this series, how it relates to pain and suffering. I know right now, everyone is feeling a little bit of a strain on the, uh, from a financial standpoint. Absolutely. They are. Many of you are small business owners. You're feeling some of that strain. This series is going to be so helpful for you or helpful for someone that you know. So make sure you tune into this series. Our first episode is with none other than Rachel Cruz from Ramsey Solutions. So why don't you listen to this little clip from my conversation with Rachel Cruz. It was a little bit different because for you know 10 plus years, I've been telling people the how-to, how to budget, how to get out of debt, how to invest, how to refinance, how to give. And really walking through, okay, I can talk about the how to, but understanding why, why we have these money habits in the first place, mm. getting to the core of that was so, so important. And so being able to go there, I realized the first place you have to start is how you grew up. 